0: The following program is recorded content created by The Truth Network. Wake up, everyone. It's time for The Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God, and on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth, but no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. Okay, welcome back. Hope you're doing well today. Just uh, wanted to spend the show today kind of updating some of the things we were talking about yesterday uh, with the Supreme Court. The Supremes, the Bidens, and the Gays was the name of the show yesterday. And so I want to update uh, some things going on there and then I want to get to something that I actually mentioned on Friday, which is a very important topic and a great article in the American Spectator. Why civics test scores are falling in American schools and not just civics, but like, you know, minor issues like American history, stuff like that. So I want to go through some of these stories today and uh, also on the um Gay Pride thing, uh, an article just highlighting some things that Jim Caviezel has been posting recently about these Gay Pride events where he was talking about robbing children of their innocence. Of course, that's going to not make him really popular on the other side of the aisle and in that particular arena. But with his movie coming out on July 4th, another reminder of that sound of freedom, which is very powerful about trafficking, sex trafficking, especially of children around the world. So that opens on July 4th. So I'm glad he's out there speaking up. And again, we're trying to uh, get the director of Sound of Freedom uh, on the show sometime before, hopefully before it starts next Tuesday, July 4th, or maybe worst case would be Wednesday. So we're trying to get that set up and hopefully we'll get him on another very, very important movie for us to support. Okay. One of the things we talked about yesterday was what was going on with the Supreme court and uh, waiting for some big decisions. I'd say the biggest one is probably the affirmative action decision, which did not come out. But I did mention yesterday, a story that was partially out of North Carolina about voting. Uh, the Supreme court uh, took a case uh, out of North Carolina or the North Carolina justices Um the Justice the Supreme Court were asked to essentially eliminate the power of the state courts to strike down congressional districts drawn by legislatures on the grounds that they violate state constitutions. OK, so you've got a provision in the U.S. Constitution, if you've ever heard of that. Article one of the Constitution, which says the times, places and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. Okay, so the legislature is supposed to determine uh, the details of the elections in its state. But does that in and of itself there in Article I of the U.S. Constitution eliminate any appeals to the judicial branch? Whereas to state that in more layman's-like terms, does does it then violate the separation of powers which allows for The checking and balancing from one branch to the other. Right. So should the legislature be able to do anything that the judicial branch should not be able to check if there is, for example, a lawsuit calling on the constitutionality of an issue? Should should this one be off the table? Because in Article 1, it says the times, places and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. And again, this was in North Carolina, here in North Carolina, where the Republicans redrew the districts and then the Democrats sued It went to the North Carolina State Supreme Court, which overturned what the Republicans had done. then uh, the appeal was made to the Supreme Court. Then the Republicans actually took over the North Carolina State Supreme Court in the election. Uh, a year and a half ago, and and then reversed the decision, right? So they said, okay, the the maps that the Republicans drew can stand. Okay, so the question here is, should the the court system, should the judicial system have any oversight with what the Article One of the U.S. Constitution clearly gives to the state legislature to deal with elections? Okay, so the Supreme Court ruled t- today that state judges do have the power to override state legislatures when it comes to how federal elections are carried out. So the Republicans of North Carolina lost this one. In a 6-3 opinion authored by Chief Justice John Roberts, the high court ruled that the Elections Clause of Article 1 of the U.S. Constitution, quote, does not insulate state legislatures from the ordinary exercise of state judicial review, unquote. And uh, I would agree with that position, by the way. Sonia Sotomayor, Elena Kagan, Brett Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett, and Ketanji Brown-Jackson were in the majority, Clarence Thomas uh, dissented, as well as Neil Gorsuch and Sam Alito. Uh, Quote, state courts retain the authority to apply state constitutional restraints when legislatures act under the power conferred upon them in the elections clause. He's talking about the U.S. Constitution. That's Roberts. But federal courts must not abandon their own duty to exercise judicial review. Uh, Derek Muller, professor, University of Iowa College of Law said that Tuesday's opinion leaves open unanswered questions about state courts' role in election cases, meaning how far can they go. Quote, it is clear that state courts and state constitutions have a role to play in limiting how state legislatures go about the job of setting the rules for federal elections. But the court's opinion expressly leaves open the unanswered questions. Of when state courts go too far beyond the ordinary bounds of judicial review, such that they arrogate to themselves the power vested in the state legislature. So do they all of a sudden become the ones setting election law? Which would be a problem, because the Constitution clearly puts that initially in the hands of the state legislature. But do you then insulate the state legislature from any constitutional appeal? From my perspective, you should not do that. You can't cut cut them off from an appeals process, from an an appeal to the U.S. Constitution itself. Uh, He goes on to say, in other words, the door is not closed on these challenges and open questions remain in the 2024 election and beyond. So, again, I hope you are tracking with this. Basically, the Supreme Court says, no, the state legislature doesn't have uh, unassailable power to deal with election rules in their own state if there is a case brought against them then they're not sectioned off from that uh, process. That is uh, part and parcel of of the U.S. Constitution's separation of powers and checks and balances. That for us as citizens or lawmakers of this party or the other party, Democrats or Republicans, to be able to appeal to the U.S. Constitution, in order to do that, you have to be able to go to court should there be any circumstance, any situation in this country where you can't do that, where you can't appeal to the judicial branch in order to challenge the constitutionality of what one of the other branches does, either at the state or local level or the federal level. I say no, you can't, because you're undermining the separation of powers and you're undermining uh, checks and balances. So I I actually agree with them on this one. It would be interesting to read the dissenting opinion. So I'll try to find the time to do that. So that's that's the first one. A lot of other decisions, especially affirmative action. We're going to keep watching that. When we come back, a little update on the Biden crime family. We'll be right. Will it go anywhere? All this Biden stuff. Is it gonna go anywhere? I mean, I I mentioned this yesterday, so I wanted to follow up with a couple stories. Today on the Biden family corruption, the Biden crime family, the Biden syndicate, whatever you want to call it. I was listening to Sean Hannity on my way over here and they were playing a little Godfather music in the background. And he was reading the tweet or the uh, WhatsApp message from Hunter Biden, who was uh, it looks like with his dad at the time at one of their many uh, residences. He had beach houses everywhere, apparently. And uh, and he's uh, threatening this Chinese businessman. I'm sitting here with my dad. And it was funny because you heard the Godfather music in the background. And Sean Hannity actually did a pretty good impersonation of the Godfather. That was uh, amusing. So I just asked uh, all of you on Facebook Live and Rumble, on a scale from 1 to 10, how confident are you that this Biden crime family stuff's going anywhere? There's a 1, there's a minus 3, there's a 2. Apparently not very confident. Not thinking this is going anywhere. On Rumble, if you want to comment as well there, I'm checking that. So, on a scale from one to 10, how confident are you that this Biden stuff's going to go somewhere? Right? Oh, there's a minus 10. Okay. I think we're all sufficiently jaded at this point. Okay. So, let's throw this stuff out here. Uh, Republican Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson called for more whistleblowers to come forward and expose corruption within the media and the federal government as Republicans look into alleged Biden family corruption. Johnson made the comments on Twitter alongside a video interview with Newsmax host Ron Schmidt, where he said that the FBI had interfered with his and Republican Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley's investigation into the Hunter Biden laptop. Quote, for years, I've been saying there's a much larger story than Biden family corruption. The corruption inside our federal agencies and the mainstream media is extensive, he wrote on Twitter. We need more whistleblowers to come forward and tell us the truth. That's the only way to restore integrity and credibility. The Wisconsin Republican added that he took no joy in investigating Hunter, but added that he was, quote, concerned if then-candidate Biden would become president, he'd be compromised, and he is. Johnson said that the corruption in Washington is breathtaking and goes back years Pointing to the Obama-era IRS scandal and the exoneration of Hillary Clinton by the FBI over her email scandal before focusing in on 2020. Quote, people didn't like the fact we were investigating Hunter Biden and his connection to Joe Biden. The mainstream media literally printed more than 100 articles about how we were soliciting and disseminating Russian disinformation, Johnson said isn't it all russian disinformation. He then said that the FBI knew that the Hunter Biden laptop was authentic, yet they told him in Grassley that the two senators were being targeted by russian disinformation. They're lying the whole time. And they know it. And by the way, this goes all the way back to Obama. Obama uh, became aware of this, all the Steele dossier. He knew all this garbage was going on, and Hillary's campaigns paying for it and the DNC, blah. And they all knew. Cuz you got to get Hillary in, and you got to defeat Trump. And then you got to get Biden in, and you got to defeat Trump. Okay? So this has been going on for a while. Johnson's comments come as Republicans continue to investigate alleged influence peddling by the Biden family around the world, including in China and Ukraine. Newly released testimony from two IRS whistleblowers alleges that Hunter threatened a Chinese business partner for payment by invoking his father. We would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled, Hunter reportedly wrote in that uh, WhatsApp message. I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father. Charming. Just 10 days later, Hunter received $5.1 million from a Chinese official linked to CEFC China Energy, according to the Washington Free Beacon. I mean, these, they are remarkably corrupt and decades worth. So what do you do about it? Okay, what do you do about it? So so I mentioned this yesterday, Clay Travis, Travis and Buck Sexton, who took over Rush Limbaugh's slot was saying he thinks both Biden and Merrick Garland, uh, number one, need to be impeached, and number two, will be impeached. The question is, in the House, what's McCarthy thinking? Okay, so he actually came out over the weekend, uh, raised the prospect of impeaching Merrick Garland after whistleblower testimony alleged the Attorney General had interfered in a criminal investigation to protect the Biden family. Of course he did. Quote, We need to get to the facts, and that includes reconciling these clear disparities. U.S. Attorney David Weiss must provide answers to the House Judiciary Committee, McCarthy said on Twitter. If the whistleblower's allegations are true, this will be a significant part of a larger impeachment inquiry into Merrick Garland's weaponization of the Department of Justice. Ian Sam, spokesman for the White House Counsel's office, responded to McCarthy in a statement on Monday. It's fun watching these guys squirm. It's especially fun watching uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh, is it not Jean-Claude Van Damme? Oh, Jean-Claude, whatever her name is. You know what I'm talking about. But I like to call her Jean-Claude Van Damme, the White House press secretary, watching him squirm. And it's and it's interesting to me, and I think this is telling, that the mainstream media there at the White House press briefings are are starting to beat her up over the Biden stuff. That's fascinating, isn't it? Quote, Speaker McCarthy, this is Ian Sam's. this is his statement. And the extreme House Republicans, I can't believe he didn't put MAGA in there. I'll do it for him. And the extreme MAGA House Republicans are proving they have no positive agenda to help the American people on the issues most important to them and their families divert, divert, divert. He said, perhaps congressional Republicans are desperate to distract from their own plan to give even more tax cuts to the wealthy and big corporations and add more than three trillion to the deficit. <laughs> Question over the whistleblower allegations on Friday, Garland denied them and said that Weiss was given full authority to bring whatever charges in any jurisdiction he chose. Garland also denied ever receiving a request to confer special counsel status on Weiss. So this is uh, picking up some steam. I'm glad to see Kevin McCarthy not afraid to use the I word impeachment because that word has been tainted when you impeach a president twice in 18 months. That's number three and four, by the way, in U.S. history with one guy, that being Trump. Then the impeachment thing starts to look like just a little political uh, football, something that you throw around, try to hit people in the face with it, right? Totally degrades what it's for. But if in fact Hunter Biden and his father and their family are influence peddling to foreign powers, then obviously we're talking about high crimes and misdemeanors here, Uh. Selling out the nation for personal gain. uh, Impeach away. But we'll see. So we just, again, from a prayer focus, I would say let's just continue to pray for justice. Pray for truth up there in D.C., which is a big ask. It's not that the Lord isn't capable of that. Of course he is. But uh, there's a whole lot of human depravity up there. So I would say let's just continue to pray for truth up there and for justice to be done there is so much corruption in the federal government at that level. uh, The problem is you undermine confidence in the government. When you undermine confidence in the government, which is where we're at now, then you lose confidence in all of its institutions and you have massive instability, which by the way uh, is what Russia and China would love. Except it's not based on Russian disinformation or Russian collusion or Russia, 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 as former president Trump likes to say. So, We should all, rather than just complaining and watching from a sideline and being upset about it, let's make sure we are praying about these situations, especially this one with the Biden family, Uh, because truth is required here. You have to have truth in order to get to justice. And and you have to be willing to let justice go where it needs to go, whether the person you're talking about is uh, named Biden or Trump or whatever. That's why the lady, Lady Justice, remember her? She's got the scales in one hand to, to weigh out justice. She's got the sword in the other hand to uh, enforce. And then she's got a blindfold over her face. So don't play one game of Democrats and a different game of Republicans, especially if you call yourself a Christian. Our allegiance is to the truth. OK, Jim Caviezel talking about gay pride events when we come back. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show. I don't know if you uh, follow me on Facebook or not, uh, but I also, uh, besides just, I post pretty regularly there. So I've got my personal page and then we have the Steve Noble Show radio page, both on on Facebook. Uh, One of the things that goes up there Monday through Friday are my daily devotionals. So right now we're working through uh, the book of Psalms. So today, so that shows up. You can get that via email. Those go out at about eleven a.m. Monday through Friday. And uh, right now we're at Psalm eighty-six, so a little over halfway through uh, the Book of Psalms. So that comes out each day. So you can you can catch that on Facebook, or if you want to get it via email, that's pretty simple. Just text the word dose d o s e to six six eight six six. Nice and easy. Text the word dose d o s e to six six eight six six. And uh, we'll send you back a text real quick, get your email, and then we'll get you on the email list. And then you can uh, get these and read them. They don't take too long. The, the one on Psalms, which I did one per Psalm, so uh, uh, 150 of those. I'd say they take probably four minutes to read. They're a little bit longer than some of my other daily dose Series like on James or Philippians, whatever the case may be, because it's just when you're dealing with one psalm and you're trying to write one devotional out of it, uh, yeah, not the easiest thing to, to do, uh, but you could check that out on there. And then also this morning, I posted a couple of really disturbing pictures. One was a t shirt from a gay pride parade that's got the uh dual horned uh, b- 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 I think that's the name of it. Uh, Just a satanic looking figure with like uh, goat horns on it. And it's got the octagon, the inverted octagon on it and not the octagon pentagram. And this one is all the rainbow colors. And it says, not today, Jesus. That's a shirt. It's charming. And then there's another one uh, in a gay pride group where there's a group of uh, Satanists and they have the big rainbow flag stretched across the street where they're doing this parade. And it says, uh, I'm just reading what it says, Satan loves fags. Okay? So these are both showing up at gay pride events. And here's what I wrote. Satan loves Pride Month, of course. While the vast majority of the LGBTQ community are not outright Satanists, they are certainly in his grip and under his influence. Satan loves to play in the garden, as I often say here in the air, so to speak, So you will always find him attacking those original institutions, male, female, procreation, and marriage. I don't loathe the people in the LGBTQ community. I grieve for them. And that grief comes out of love, love for God and love for his special creation. Of course, that would be, you know, us people. Are many aspects of this movement perverse and disgusting? Yes. But Jesus died for the people in that community as much as he died for straight sinners like me, So I strive to have a gospel mindset when I see pictures like these. Uh, Which isn't easy. It's gotten easier over time. But I still get pretty upset when I see these things. And then when it's, you know, being thrown at you all the time. That gets old fast. Apparently it did as well for Jim Caviezel, the actor. And once again, a reminder, next Tuesday, July 4th, Sound of Freedom, an incredibly powerful movie about uh, child Sex Trafficking, which he stars at, in In it. it's based on a true story. Incredibly powerful movie. I saw a screener at home a few weeks ago. I, I usually don't struggle to to stay with a movie just because of content. Uh, but this one I did, especially the first 20 minutes. It's just hard. It doesn't cross a line, but it makes it appropriately uncomfortable. So you can understand. Okay, so his movie's coming out next Tuesday, Sound of Freedom, opening nationwide. Actor Jim Caviezel, okay? So he was uh, out there tweeting as a, re- as a response to things that he's seeing from the gay pride parades. Quote, it seems that so many people have become not only obsessed with sexuality, but with foisting it on young children by having them attend events with people who dress as the opposite sex, Caviezel treated, tweeted. Sorry. How long are we going to allow woke ideology to trample over our rights and the rights of our children to not only live in a society that doesn't sexualize everything, but that turns school into a form of manipulation. The Passion of the Christ star said schools aren't for the propagation of woke philosophies and instead should be emphasizing the fundamentals of English, math, history, science, and so on. Caviezel added that society is trying to tell people sexuality is fluid and then said research shows something quite different. Quote, gender differences, boys being different from girls is a highly researched and supported topic in the field of psychology. Indeed, Research has shown that human brains are not fully developed until the age of 25 or older. Thus, the brains of small children are simply too undeveloped to deal with issues related to sexuality. When we force sexuality upon young, young children, we harm their development, he added. When we harm children, we also harm families. And when this happens, society suffers. In another post, Caviezel retweeted a video clip from a drag march in New York City uh, pride parade that showed attendees chanting, I mentioned this yesterday, We're here. We're queer. We're coming for your children. Kavizal tweeted, quote, when did you start to believe your conspiracy theory was correct? Unquote. Well, they just started saying it out loud in front of the cameras. Him referring to, like, what's the point? With the drag queen, story hours, and all that kind of stuff. Is it really, you guys think uh, the LGBTQ crowd that gets mad at our crowd for getting mad at their crowd for doing that, The that, uh, It's some kind of conspiracy. There's no justification for bringing children to these places, Jim said. May God protect these innocent children, he tweeted. I would add, uh, in most cases, from their own parents. How sad is that? Because what you see at the gay pride parades or at the drag queen story hour or whatever, where you see little children, you always see at least one parent, which shows you. Just how far the devil has succeeded in turning the culture inside out and upside down. Okay? So that's going on, which is highly disturbing. All right. I wanted to uh, tee this up and then uh, work through it in the final segment of the show. I mentioned this on Friday. Why civics test scores are falling in American schools. This was in the American Spectator. I'll get it started here. In early May, news emerged about record low scores for history and civics for 8th grade students nationwide. More and more students were falling short of the basic standards set out on the National Assessment of Educational Process. The New York Times reported that about 40% of 8th graders scores scored below basic in U.S. history last year, compared with 34% in 2018 and 29% in 2014. And just 13% of 8th graders were considered proficient compared to 18% nearly a decade ago. The scores match record lows in science, math and reading. The Times explained that in history, it's possible that reduced reading comprehension played some sort of some role in student performance. So perhaps students can't express a basic grasp of history because they can't read? Reassuring, isn't it? The Biden administration education secretary Miguel A. Cardoza which right in there with the diversity thing, man. Great job. I have no idea my, my guess is that Miguel isn't really all that qualified for this job, but that wasn't really what mattered, was it? So he's the education secretary. Zeroed in on the real culprit for the failures, Republicans, of course. Cardona explained that banning history books and censoring educators from teaching these important subjects does our students a disservice and will move America in the wrong direction, <laughs> which means uh, not progressive. Not woke. Last I checked, Bethany Mandel is the author of this article in The Spectator. Last I checked, Republicans aren't running teachers unions, teacher training programs, the Department of Education, textbook, or testing companies. Bravo. Great point. In May, Cardona tweeted, quote, this is the education secretary, okay? Quote, teachers know what is best for their kids because they are with them every day. We must trust teachers. Now, can you hear the hiss of the snake in that one? trust teachers because they're with kids the most every day as opposed to their parents right okay you're 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 dialing in here starting in the late 1800s and people like dewey and a few other folks and then with the progressives in the early in the early 1900s like woodrow wilson then they completely took over and re-geared the American educational system to create non-thinking followers. Okay, We don't want liberal arts education. We don't want thinkers. We don't want people with uh, the ability to reason an argument or to tear another person's argument apart if that's doable. You don't want them because they'll question you and they'll be able to think for themselves. We don't want that. What we want is workers we have the elite class and then we need the working class and then the 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 uh not the beauty but the sad reality of this completely broken romans one satanic worldview is that in their in their desire to create more and more workers they butchered 62 million of them in the womb via abortion of course so I'm going to go on with this article. There's a lot in here I want to talk about. And uh, it is going to make the case as to why I do what I do when I'm not on the radio and I'm teaching my classes at Noble U, including civics. This is Steve Noble. We'll be right back. This morning and I heard the news I know the pain of a brain. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show, working my way through this article in the American Spectator. I mentioned it on Friday, but I needed some time to go through it and walk through it with you. Why civics test scores are falling in American schools. So, again, I think most of the time, like when we're on the show, when we're having conversations, uh, backyard burgers, whatever the case. And we're talking about what's going on in politics and the culture. We're talking about what's happening right now. But. Do we think about what's going to be happening in 10 years or 20 years or 30 years or 40 years? What's this country going to look like as people that are 10 and 15 and 20 now take over, which is why this article is so important. So I'm going to keep working through this with our um, last segment of the show. American children are spending less time learning history as schools triage to help catch students up on math and reading. I don't think they're actually trying to do that. Time is part of the problem, but we can't ignore how the study of social studies, history, and civics has transformed from facts, dates, and places to increasingly aggressive political indoctrination. Now, I I take a little issue with that because when you teach history and civics, like I do, uh, I'm not just trying to teach them facts, dates, and places. As a matter of fact, that is not at the top of my list. When I'm teaching civics and when I'm teaching U.S. history and then I'm adding world history this fall, uh, I'm teaching understanding of these things. Why did the, Through a biblical worldview, why do did, why did people do what they do? Why did this happen? And how has it affected the world back then and now? So try to build an understanding, a workable, a, applicable biblical worldview that you can start to make sense of what the world has done to itself. Because once you kind of understand that, you understand you have a functional biblical worldview, then what happens in U.S. history or world history, I don't care what portion, what, what time frame you want to look at, And I don't care what people group you want to look at. They're all people made in the image of God, and the Bible has taught us immensely about them. Us. And so you start to be able to make sense of this stuff. So not just facts and dates and places. That's a a part of it, but that's not the most important part of it. But yes, increasingly aggressive political indoctrination is definitely going on. No longer do students learn about how the Battle of Yorktown marked the end of the Revolutionary War. Now they spend their history hour learning about how the Founding Fathers were slaveholders. Where once students, which is why I like out in San Francisco, you got to change everything that's got a founding father's name on it. Where once students learn about Martin Luther King Jr.'s famous I Have a Dream speech, in which he famously proclaims, I have a dream that my four little children will one day in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. That's called meritocracy, by the way. Now students learn that the only way of understanding race, religion, race relations is to assign identities, oppressors and oppressed. If they're especially unlucky, their teacher might even segregate black and white kids to really hammer home the point. It was this framework that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis rejected in February when the advanced placement course of African-American studies was banned by the state for promoting critical race theory. The modern components of the course were only presented from a radical perspective and included instruction on the Black Lives Matter movement, black queer studies, mass incarceration, and reparations. Assigned texts included readings by Tanisi Coates, a journalist and author who in 2014 published The Case for Reparations in the Atlantic. Okay, so I don't mind having a conversation about reparations, and we do in my classes. But to teach that as a necessary result or that that would somehow help is ridiculous. Uh, This manipulation of history for children doesn't just leave them vulnerable to political indoctrination. It leaves them unable to recognize they're being indoctrinated in the first place. And that's the point, which is what I talked about at all these homeschool conventions earlier this year when I did my little talk called The Red Pill, protecting your children from cultural indoctrination, because it starts in kindergarten or whenever they start looking at a screen and it goes all the way through high school. Another operating system is being built inside all of our kids, homeschool them, private Christian school them. I don't care where they are, but you're not going to be able to completely keep them sectioned off from the world. And that's going to be implanting another operating system, another worldview into your children. That's what's going on here. That's the point of what they're doing. Okay? The devil knows it, even if these fools don't. Those working to rewrite history target adults and kids alike. This summer at the Kennedy Center, with corporate uh, sponsorship from Altria, the company that owns Philip Morris, a show called 1776 hits the stage. Sounds great, doesn't it? It's advertised for age 10 years and up. Its producers promise a glorious multiracial cast of female, transgender, and non-binary actors who portray the fiery founders of this country, putting history in the hands of the humans who were left out the first time around. And the result is an epic show of passion, debate, and roof-raising musical fireworks indoctrination much? This is like Gay Pride Parade parade meets the Founding Fathers. That's what that is. It would be a stretch to call such a show historical fiction. With this sort of radical reworking now, the norm, is it any surprise that American kids are a little hazy on the basics? The revolutionaries are rewriting history for the College Board, the company which administers advanced placement courses. They are at the government-funded Kennedy Center, putting on 1776. They're behind the Tony Award wins for such productions. And they're at companies like Altria, which on its website boasts that for the fourth year running, the human rights campaign has given Altria a perfect score on its Corporate Equality Index. (laughs) It's like the anti-biblical worldview index. The same powerful ideology pre- present, present in corporate America can be found throughout teachers' colleges, unions, school districts, and in every corner of the Biden administration's cabinet. In his reporting on the drop in test scores for Forbes, Frederick Hess explained, quote, In a 2022 survey of K-12 teachers, the Rand Corporation found that more teachers thought civics education is about promoting environmental activism rather than about knowledge of social, political, and civic institutions, which is the definitions of a civics education, by the way. In 2020, a Rand survey of high school civics teachers reported that just 43% thought it was essential for graduates to know about periods such as the Civil War and the Cold War. Yeah, you don't want free thinkers. You want robots. Less than two-thirds thought it essential for graduates to know the protections guaranteed by the Bill of Rights. Of course they don't want you to know the Bill of Rights. Another thing I tell my students all the time, nobleyouthschool.com, by the way. Another thing, if you don't know your rights, you don't have any. And you're and you're easily led astray and manipulated. I said I can manipulate you guys in class every week. I just tell you what I want you to think instead of teaching you how to think, because then you don't have the you don't have a clue. You have no discernment. You have no wisdom. So I can just manipulate you. You're just a bunch of suckers. And unfortunately, largely they are, by design, by the way. The 2020 RAND survey explained that civics today covers much more than just how a bill becomes a law. Most of the high school teachers who responded said their students absolutely need to learn to be tolerant of different people and groups. They wanted their students to see themselves as global citizens, to develop good work habits, and to embrace the responsibilities of government by the people. They weren't overly concerned that students memorize the 50 states or learn about important periods in American history. Yeah, you don't want that. You don't want thinkers. In other words, teachers have rewritten their job description. Out. Civic basics. In indoctrination. They believe that their mandate isn't to teach history or civics, but instead to brainwash children. And lo and behold, just a few years later, children are falling ever further behind in competence in this newly hyper-politicized subject area. No kidding. From the Department of Education on down, these new test scores, along with other falling scores, haven't been met with a ground stop. Expecting different results when you do the same thing over and over has been called the definition of insanity. The progressive left are many things, but insane isn't one of them. The goal of the public education system is not education. If it were, those in charge wouldn't be doing the same thing over and over again. The free fall of the American government-run education system is a feature, not a bug, of this woke revolution. Did you catch that? It's a feature, not a bug. We're not just, closing paragraph, we're not just watching history being rewritten. It's being intentionally obscured from the next generation. History and civics teachers aren't teaching their subjects, so declining test scores are no surprise. If things continue this way, the revolutionaries' jobs will only get easier. There's no need to lie to children about who George Washington was or what he accomplished uh, if they don't even know who he was or what he accomplished. In this dark future, nowhere near as far away as one might think. Students who might have a healthy sense of patriotism, love for, and basic understanding of their native land will feel no obligation to it. And that, perhaps, is the point. Right. It's deconstruction. If you can teach these younger generations, if you can lead them down a road that the only logical result is that America is a deeply flawed, fatally flawed, and terribly disastrous experiment, that, that if, it, if, if the experiment doesn't work, if your hypothesis falls apart, then what do you do? You throw it out and you create a new one. Boom. There you go. Now you got it. Deconstruction. If we can make it that the country is horrible, capitalism is horrible, the founding fathers were horrible, they were religious bigots, they hated women, they hated minorities, and uh, they wrote the system based on that. And that's why we have perfected all of that over the years. Then w- if a country's that given over. If it's that evil, then the right thing to do from that perspective is to get rid of it. Start over. Boom. There you go. That's exactly what they want to do. To them, that is progress. And so if you have sons and daughters, grandsons and granddaughters, sending them off to the nice local school and they have some nice teachers and some nice landscaping and you think everything is fine, you're wrong. There's nice teachers out there. There's good teachers out there. There's good teachers in the public school system that think like you and me, but not many. And the ones that are there, they don't control the curriculum. They don't control the materials. They don't control the system. The progressives do. So encourage one another, encourage others, sons, daughters, grandsons, granddaughters, their parents, to get out, get out of the public school system. And here in North Carolina, by the way, opportunity scholarships are going to get passed. Cooper's probably going to veto it, but they're going to override them. So you're going to have access to your tax dollars that you can spend on your child's education where you want. Private, private Christian, or if they're in 8th through 12th grade, send them to me. I'll teach them. U.S. History, World History, Civics, Christian Ethics, NobleYouthSchool.com. Still taking students for this fall. This is Steve Noble on the Steve Noble Show. God willing, I'll talk to you again real soon. And like my dad always used to say, ever forward. Another program powered by the Truth Network.